everyone, welcome back to the Book and Life podcast. Today we're going to have a brand new book guest on. Whether they're an author, an editor, a producer, you'll never quite know, so you're in for one hell of a ride. But today I just have to uh, do the adverts and then I'll get us straight into that most important conversation. And as as we do every week, um, I'm going to read The Shadow which is part of the Time Guardian series, and this is book four from Marianne Curley. The battle is over, the war is won. The prophecy complete, but life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan, struggling to cope with tragic loss. At odds with friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping in shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Athena's death, Giselle swears revenge to fullify the immortal's plan for world domination, but Giselle hadn't planned on love, and that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart, or the strings of a goddess short on praise but high on expectation, who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and the order battles through the past and into an impossible future, darkness looks round every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadow? And just a reminder that The Price of Freedom by Rosemary Aiken, sorry, Rosemary Rowan, um, is being donated to the Ukraine refugee crisis. And here's the blurb for her book. It's uh, one of her... Roman British crime series, which was written under her maiden name. All editions can be found online where all books are sold, even her agents donating her commission. Sorry, I don't have the blurb for that, but uh, that's that's what she's doing. And now, without further ado, let's get you to the guests. And welcome back to the Book and Life podcast, guys. We've got an incredibly awesome author on today. I'm going to let her introduce her amazing work to us all. Uh, She is somebody that I completely admire, and I can't believe she's come on to talk to us today. So without further ado, everybody, please meet Kathleen. How are you doing? I am doing well, thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. And... Mm-hmm. How how is like how are you finding your new book at the moment? Like, was, tell us a little bit about it. You know, tell us about what you're working on. Uh, well, the new book um, that I have written uh, under my my pseudonym that I use for Harlequin, which is Eleanor Webster, is yeah. the Duke's proposal for the governess, um, and that is a, a September release uh, in uh, through Harlequin. So it's just uh, come out, and um, yeah, it. Uh, it's my sixth book with Harlequin um, and my eighth book overall. I've also uh, written a couple under Kathleen Cherry. And um, yeah, it, it was, uh, every book, I guess, is a journey. <laughs> so it was. That is very, a, a I, will, I will agree with you on that one for sure. <laughs> it, is, it is a very daunting experience, yes. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I think this one, um, 
I found a bit challenging to write, and I didn't really know how I felt about it at the end. Um, I think I just felt glad to press in, to tell you the truth. Um, I've been there so, too. Uh, you've got my sympathy on that one, when you kind of get to the point where you're like, have I written this well enough? And then you're like, I, I just got to hit the send button. I've run out of time. I've got to just get on with it, you know? Yeah, I, I really did run out of time on this one. That's for sure. Um, so, yeah, by the, it felt so foggy in my brain. I was really looking forward to kind of reading through it to almost rediscover it again. So yeah. um, it was it was a different process than some of my other books. Um, as I say, it was a journey. Um, I ended up liking it a lot more than I than I thought I would. So um, I always find that's the way for me as well. Like I, I'm like, ah, oh, this is this is going to be an interesting experience. And then I'm like, oh, I don't really like this one. And then I, I read it back and I'm like, huh. How did I come up with that? How can I not remember <laughs> writing that? And then, you know, because you feel like somebody's possessed you and written it for you. And then you've kind of woke up from this odd dream and you're like, huh. So, yeah, I, I, I understand that feeling quite well, especially when you're jumping genres and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So what was your aha moment for this book like what was the spark for this one um well I, I I laughed with my my friends and colleagues um as I say it, it was a little bit of a struggle and so for a while there the only clear-cut characters I had was the dog Basil an 11 year old boy called Iggy and really for a Harlequin Regency romance uh, they're not usually the most important part of the plot. Um, so that kind of gave me, um, uh, they, they were determined to be in there. Um, and then I think the aha moment was I was struggling to write. Uh, when I first started Harlequin Historicals many years ago, it was very much escapist for me and and for the readers, um, and so I I didn't I didn't feel I was glamorizing a time period that in many ways has a lot of um, or I didn't worry about glamorizing a time period yeah. that in many ways has uh, many undercurrents that are less uh, that, that are less pleasant. It was just um, escapism for me at that time with two little kids, and it was just pure fun. And in my subsequent books, I've been finding that balance harder and harder. And um, I think this one I found the hardest and um, particularly, I guess, with that feeling that perhaps many of us have had, um, it's felt a bit harder to be creative since the pandemic and yeah, it has it's been, yeah. felt uh, that things in the world are not always moving forward in the way I would like and yeah I guess the for, for that spark moment was when I thought 
things have come an awfully long time since Regency, an awfully, an awfully far since Regency times. Um, and yes, there are some huge characters that helped with that that you can look up in the in the in the history books. But a lot of the changes one sees are through small people doing small things and doing their very best every single day. And I guess that is what this book became about, uh, particularly the the main protagonist, the, the female character, not being in a position of strength and recognizing that in society and taking steps every single day to try and be authentic to herself within the yeah. society that she's in. And I guess that was where... I got that aha moment was when I was realizing I could write characters that felt true to me and true to where I am in this place that were not being ignoring the challenges of their society, were not, you know, waving a magic wand and feeling that they could solve them, but trying to take small steps every day to yeah, of course things and that felt authentic to me and that helped me to to move on with the book i think that when you're you're talking like that particularly um when it comes to historical fiction i think of katherine cookson and i think how authentic she was with her voice and the characters she created and it's it's good to see that there's somebody else out there that's kind of carrying on her legacy a little bit with having those authentic characters because anybody that's a true lover of historical fiction should know who this woman is and should see her as the pioneer for the big changes in our industry that we have to this day and I think I love that about your work because I find I am reading your book right now and I find it flows so smoothly and the characters are crisp and you just it's it's so refreshing because there's some that you pick up and you're like oh, this is going to be a slog. And then you kind of get into it and it, it starts to pick up and you start to feel that flow. But there's there's very few that can just make it feel like you, you know, you're sitting down in a comfy chair and it's, it's not going to be... So I don't want to say a job to get through the first bit, but it sometimes does feel like that till you get the... till the ball goes and then you're like, aha! And especially as writers... I think we're the worst for reading sometimes because we do sit there and we go, mm, they could speed this up a little bit or they could slow this down a bit. So, you know, I always, I always take that in mind that, that my writer's brain never fully cuts off. And I, I think yep. that's what I admire about yours because I don't have to think like that as much. I can just be that historical reader for a change and I can just enjoy what I'm, what I'm getting into. Oh, well, thank you. And I totally get what you're saying about that writer's brain. In fact, I almost am drawn to reading mysteries because that is a genre I know yeah. I do not um, you can't write. write a mystery. My yeah, exactly. plot, I, I struggle with plot and that's they're, they're just so key. So in some ways I can I can turn off that writer's brain and just enjoy the the flow because yes, yeah. with a number of other genres it is always there and it, it is hard to, to shut off. So yes, thank you for that. I, I and I think that's the thing, like if we can 
like you were talking about plot being your your weakest area one of the things that i mean i've been doing this for i think 12 13 years now give or take and i know for mine it's grammar 100 percent, it's grammar not you know i'm not gonna lie the whole grammar and spelling thing and sometimes writing sentences backwards is a thing because i'm dyslexic character building worlds i could do to the cows came home i could come up with plots and concepts all day long but where i fall on my face is is the structure is the presentation of it and especially when i'm being crystal and crystal's brain has gone down a rabbit hole and then takes the story with her into the rabbit hole for a little bit i it's good because i have a, a little um writing partner who comes along and he's like Crystal just drove off the cliff. Right. Okay. Back this way, Crystal. And he just starts, sets me back on the road and he's like, okay, you're good. Drive yeah. forwards. Don't go off the next cliff. Um, so luckily when I did my contemporary fiction, I had him. But now that I'm going out on my own, I'm doing fantasy and I'm doing mystery for the first time. Which is going why um, mystery is like completely opposite ends. Yeah. then I don't really have him doing that. So my editor, bless her, she she started reading it. She's like, I love this, but you drove right off the cliff with this one. She's like, <laughs> I could not see half of the turns coming you put in. And then all of a sudden I'm like, she's got to cut this book in half because this is like yeah. way too big. Right. So I went back in and I cut it in half, like she asked. And then she's like, oh my God, that's so much better. Mm. she's like why could mm. you do that the first time and I was like because I couldn't see what was important and what wasn't I was so yeah. fixated on it but when she'd read it and she's kind of giving me the feedback I was like oh okay mm -hmm. and I, I think that's where us as writers we adore our editors and sometimes fear the editor's emails coming in a little bit because we're like yeah. this is going to be mm -hmm. one of those emails I need a whole bottle of wine or is this going to be an email that I'm going to be inspired and I need an, an entire jug of coffee because I'm going to want to go and just get on with it, you know? Um, yeah. So I, I love that. And I love the fact that as writers now, we're kind of getting to that place where we're not, we're more open-minded. I think writers in the olden days were more defensive and more mm -hmm. less critical of their work and wanting to be the best out there. And I think, you know, I like seeing how the industry's changing and, and, and is moving forward now. Yeah. So yeah, no. if you can pick out one tip for writers right now, both ones that have been in the industry for decades and ones that are just coming in now, what would your number one tip to everybody be? Uh, I think for those really wanting to get into the industry, it's that persistence, growth mindset, yes. um, and that perhaps what I struggled with in this last book was that um, editor within my mind that kept on mm -hmm. saying, oh, no, that's not right, that's this, that's, and kind of was was doing that. I always say this sort of a a time when the editor in my mind is useful and a time when she needs to go and have a holiday. And in that first draft, she needs to go and have a holiday so that I can just get something down yeah. so that I can work with it. Um, I'm having the exact same problem you're having right now with one of mine. And I'm like, God damn it. You need to go on holiday. I need, I need you to just go away so I can yeah. focus. 
And if yeah. you don't yeah. go, so. I'm going to blow up my own head because this is ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm right there with you. I'm like, I think I'm like 80 pages from the end. And I'm like, <sighs> I'm yeah, like, I'm going to so, strangle so, her. Like yeah. the, my editor is just going to come home one day and find my strangled edited mind lying in her inbox. Yes. Yes. I was last year. I was about, about ready for that. And I'd like, you know, go in and work and I'd come out and say, okay, I wrote 200 words, but I edited 250. I said, you know, deleted yep. 250. Yep. And my husband would say, you're supposed to be increasing the number of words, not cutting them. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I think, so I think persistence, growth mindset um, of, compartmentalization is also handy that that too <laughs> yep yeah um, i've learned that one the hard way so yeah compartmentalization really big one on that one <laughs> uh, yeah so uh, um and the ability and, to take your own notes as well i think is yes, something that yes. i always say to people because i get that question a lot like how do you remember cause my my series that i'm working on is a contemporary writer it's a series that's built on different characters' points of view, which builds mm. this in vast dynamic world and it's around eight characters. So I have to remember eight characters, eight characters past, eight characters previous relationships, eight characters likes and dislikes and whether they have a dog or a cat. Yes. And the one thing everybody says to me is, oh my God, how do you keep all of that straight? And I'm like, notes, sticky mm. notes, notepads. Yes sometimes i've even written on my arm if i've run out of yeah. stuff like yeah. you just gotta do it like don't think about it just get in there yeah. and do it you know because it, if just you, do it yeah and, yeah and make notes as you kind of write because if you think mm, harold's liking peach cobbler this week and then you write in the next one harold hated peach cobbler forever and you don't mm. have that noted down somewhere yeah. you can end up looking like an idiot so after the first five books, I realized this lovely uh, analogy <laughs> and I started to make each one of them's got a note, like a journal thing. And I just, if I'm working on Harold, Harold's his books out. And if I'm working on Layla, her book comes out and I just go between them. And that's nice. the only way I can do it. Otherwise, I think I would, I would lose my mind halfway through. I would just be like, nope, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I can't take another criticism. But yeah, I I think that is, you know, really important. And when I think about persistence, I was having to be, I was persistent for two years before I got in the business. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, okay, that even though I'm in, that persistence can't stop. That drive can't stop. You've got to keep going. You've got to have discipline. And I think I say that to everyone. It's not writing the book that's the problem. It's the, what comes after that, like yeah. the sitting with your agent or sitting with the editors and talking about your book and selling your book and then coming up with marketing plans and media plans and working mm -hmm. on that and then remembering, Oh crap, I've got to edit too, because now I've got a deadline for this one and I got to remember to edit. And then I got to remember to also do my whole housework because my house looks like it's about to fall down. And yeah, you, you have to be able to structure your time as well. And I think that's something that gets lost on a lot of people because they kind of forget that. Um, yes. And it's, it's what I always say, persistence, dedication, discipline, and you got to love it. If you yes. can't fall in love with your own characters, nobody else is going to either. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's true. And uh, I was just thinking when you were saying about all the different characters in your book, having those unique voices must be yeah. such a challenge as well. Um, when I when know... you wake up at three o'clock in the morning because yeah. one of them won't stop talking to you and you're like, <laughs> God yeah, damn, yeah. where's the spare notepad? Because if I don't write this down and she doesn't shut up soon, neither of us getting any sleep and nothing's getting done tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, it, it, it's it's a hazard it is it, a genuine hazard of or if I'm sitting in a cafe and somebody's having a conversation with me and I'm just staring off in the right hand corner like it's usually because the character's annoying me it's it's come mm. up with an idea or it's come up with a situation or something's just happened and it's decided to yell in my ear for 20 minutes <laughs> and my friend's actually gotten used to she just slides my phone across to me and she's like make notes I'll wait Right. I'll go order something to eat. And then she, when she comes back, I've written it down in note form so that I can get to it later. But she's yeah. so used to it now. She just doesn't even, like, doesn't bat an eyelid. Uh, mm -hmm. same, with, same with Ian. Like, he would just be like, oh, sh you know, she's writing again. Or we'd be in the middle of a car journey and I'd be like, if this happened to you, what would you think? Yeah. And he'd be like, context? <laughs> and I'd be like, in my book and then he's like aha context <laughs> you know because yeah. that's that's the way my brain works is sometimes I just get sucked into this alternative universe and it is such a lovely place to go it's so yeah. sometimes is but then on the flip side when I'm being stubborn with myself they won't talk to me and then it's like bashing my head against a brick wall so note taking has become really handy <laughs> being able to walk away and go okay I'm not gonna get any of this book done today but I can go work on this one over here and mm. you know I'll just hope and pray that I can get some of tomorrow's work done today you know yeah, uh, yeah I mean that's that's the great thing so so tell us what are you working on now what has the readers got to look forward to um well I uh, I'm taking a, a bit of a break um Good. so yeah. i'm not we all working need to do on... that more i think <laughs> i'm not working on another um uh, harlequin uh romance at the moment um i'm i i'm getting near to retirement in the day job so i am a school psychologist um wow. i am drawn to a couple of areas of writing um, one being um, a sequel to my book under Kathleen Cherry, which was called Everyday Hero, and uh, had one protagonist in it, uh, and that, that was her story, and the other character, Megan, is demanding her story. So it's yeah, partially written, but it's certainly not ready for prime time yet. Um, so working on that is something that is is um, important to me. Um, and I, I definitely will be continuing to work there. And that character, that gives me a lot of joy and that book has given me a lot of joy I've been able to do author tours and reading to kids and um it's been it's been really cool um sorry I will turn that off yeah it's been really cool 
Um, I also, um, it's incredibly important for me to, um, I, I am working with the idea of trying to create something that will make what I do in the day job, which is sort of psychoeducational assessments, yeah. much more available and interesting to to students to to kids um yeah so i mean that working that could be a with, really awesome with series like that so yeah i think it's i i'm going to take a break from sort of the historical romance but build on some of the the kid with the kid lit and perhaps even have a creative non-fiction piece there so yeah a few a few different things <laughs> I love that because I think nowadays kids are, they're so easily nervous about these areas. I was a learning support teacher for a number of years. And as soon as you say school psychologist, you can literally see the kid going, oh, and wanting to run out the door, you know? So yeah. I think that's good because if you can come up with ways that makes them more comfortable and if they can have like a superhero kind of book that they can read where, you know, the education psychologist comes in and saves the day, it takes that fear out and it gives us as learner support teachers and assistants, it's something that we can sit down and read with the kid or to the kid. Yeah. And that takes that, that nervous energy out. So I think what you're doing on that score is incredible because there's so many kids that get anxious, even about just having a learning support staff member with them because they instantly think oh my gosh I'm going to get bullied I'm going to get bullied because this person's helping mm -hmm. me in class or they're hanging around me or you know whatever and I think that's such a shame because it's such a missed opportunity and yes. so yeah I think what you're doing is is truly amazing and and I know from my work with these kids with learning supports and learning uh, disabilities that by sitting there and just being kind of on their level and also being that person that's just open and very open-minded they open up so much and you can see leaps and bounds of changes in them then if you just sit down there and you're very professional and you're very you know unpersonal with them and you're like no focus on your work kind of thing um so I, I learned on the job so to speak I learned kind of um, through just working with kids from when I was a teenager right the way through and uh, I, I miss it I miss it greatly um, but yeah sometimes writing kind of takes over my life it's <laughs> done in the recent last couple of years so but no I think I think what you're doing is incredible and you'll have to come back when you get it done so that we can promote it and we can really get it out there for sure we'd love to we'd love to absolutely so, that is uh, us coming to the end of the show for this week. What else would would you like the the listeners to know? Because I mean, this is a global platform. So, what is is there anything you'd like them to know about you, about your writing? Um, I I think about me, uh, about my writing. Um, I think the thing that makes me tick is trying to give my characters um, and give myself an authentic voice and 
trying to always send the message that one doesn't have to be a certain way or Mm -hmm. often society throughout the ages has had certain expectations and if you don't fit the norm you're sort of odd or weird or strange and I get that yeah there characters... is no mold anymore yeah yeah and a lot of my characters are have differences uh one of my regency characters was blind um and um another one was trying to be a doctor or was a doctor but had had to disguise herself as a male because of the of course yeah the gender thing yeah so I guess uh, sort of twofold don't pursue your dreams and second uh don't let external factors dictate who you are Um, I think that's really good advice especially kind of with society as it is now and social media and all the I mean I feel for kids coming up behind me because I'm like gosh you know like we didn't have social media back then like we had Bebo Bebo was it and we were in high school when Bebo came out so for us it was like um you know we didn't have the access to post things as quickly as we did we didn't have the access to post pictures and there was a sort of freedom with that as children so that you almost had it was like what everybody else saw was what was saw you know seen I should say and it was easily made in yesterday's news by somebody doing something even stupider 10 minutes later. So I think I always say to teenagers, particularly teenagers who listen to this, don't get hung up on social media because guess what? You can turn it off. You can delete it off your phone. There's a big ass world out there that is full of other people that are not like you. You're not alone. They don't judge you. They don't, they don't care if you've got multiple scars or spots or if you are thin or if you're big or if you're small or if you're huge. Nobody cares. If yeah. you meet people and you say hello and you look them in the eye, you're yeah. you're a much better person than the person living with their nose in their phone. And Absolutely. at the end of the day, popularity does not make everything. Being yourself and being happy with who you are, that's mm-hmm. what matters. The rest yeah. of it will all fall into place. That That's the advice I give to every teenager I work with, every teenager that I've come across. I'm like, be who you are. Like, I, I love my wrestling t-shirts and my chunky hoodies. You know, that's me. And I don't, I've gotten to that stage in my life where I'm 34 and I'm like, I don't care if I look like I just got out of bed and got pulled through a hedge backwards. I'm happy. Leave me yes. to be happy. And, yes. and that's the, the advice I give to kids now. And there's so many of them that are now getting to that point where they're like, eh, it's just social media. And I'm so glad to see that. I am so, so relieved to see that. And that I, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's sort of been my perception that there is a bit of a shift. Yeah. But that is finally you, and Yeah, good. Good. That I think that is absolutely needed. We, we as adults, though, we need to keep pushing that because the I think it's scary how social media can completely change a child that's vulnerable. And I think mm. the ones that we know that are maybe a little more kind of easily led or easily 
push down a certain road. Those mm. are the ones we need to keep the eye on the most because social media is like a way to connect with the world for them. But at the same time, it's a way for them to get into trouble. It's a way for things to really go horribly wrong. At least yeah. here in the UK, there is much more safety measures in place now to protect kids in that regard. Mm. But I would love to see more of that happening in the US and in Canada, because mm -hmm. even in Australia, there's so much that goes on that just should not be going on. And mm -hmm. I think if we can tighten those safety measures and make it safer for kids, then the internet's not going to be as big an evil thing as it used to be. And I think it's yeah. also going to be a handy tool for everybody moving forward rather than an uncomfortable one. Right, right. I don't know if you agree with that, but I do. I've and uh, yeah, I mean, like so many, so much progress, and I guess that kind of ties into the the latest Eleanor Webster book. It, it is sort of about progress, yeah, and a change and adjusting to change and progress. And there is so much, both positive. But any change in progress also brings with it its inherent risk. Negative, um, yeah. So it, it's that double-sided thing. And I, I do, I feel social media has managed to make wonderful connections for people who find it difficult to connect. But then there's that inherent risk, uh, the fact that the home can no longer some may no longer feel safe because social media bullying can come right in in a way that other bullying couldn't Can't, yeah. Um, yeah so so there's a lot of risk factors i'm interested i'm going to be doing some research on the the state on how the uk has made things safer for kids because i do think that's very well, we'll definitely have to talk off, off air at some point um because yeah. it was one of the things that when i went back into the schools i wanted to know mm -hmm. and I wanted to know the signs to look for mm -hmm. and I studied it because I worked in a children's care home at one point and I wanted to study it because I was wanting to understand how today's world was impacted I've been socially social media bullied before so I understood mm -hmm. how it does can get right into your home and and you mm -hmm. have to learn the you know you have to learn how to turn it off you have to learn how to walk away and say well, actually, why am I letting this person upset me? What is it about this that's upsetting me so much? And I think what's made the huge difference here in the UK is teachers having conversations with kids or mm. learning support staff sitting at break time and lunchtime having conversations with kids and being like, or even youth clubs. We have youth clubs here in, in, in Scotland where kids go at night and they hang out with other kids. But one of the things we do as the adults that are supervising this is we sit down and we have conversations with kids. Something yes. that doesn't really happen anymore. But we'll sit down and we'll be like, well, what, what have you been getting up to? Or what, what are you into? Like, because mm -hmm. as adults, we get so disconnected from all the new stuff that's coming out and all the new stuff is targeted at them that we almost don't know what to look for. So if you actually sit and have conversations with kids about these kinds of things, you're like, I didn't know what TikTok was. So I went back to working in a youth club. And then I'm like, what the hell is TikTok? Yeah. And then, of course, I went home and I went down the Google and rabbit hole because I was trying to discover what the hell. First of all, learn how to spell 
said social media sites that you're going to go look yeah. up. <laughs> That's a really important one. <laughs> and because, yeah, when I spelt it, I did not get even close to how it was spelt. So that was my first lesson. But I think by having the conversations and having kids in clubs as well is really important because if they realize that they can socialize with other kids in situations that are controlled and are safe, but gives them the skills that they can then go out as adults and be safe, that is more important than giving them a new phone or a computer or a console or gift cards to go buy games. Not saying that none of this is good stuff. I'm saying you just need to understand the balance of it. And I am so honored that I can, or I was part of a group, the people that were like, parents, stop spending the money, send them to clubs, put the money into the community and the community can prepare them better with them going out there. Um, And I'm a big advocate for that. But yeah, I mean, if you ever want to dig around in my brain, please feel free to send me an email or, or, you know, say, Hey, can we, can we sit down and have a chat about this? Cause I I can talk about it all day long. And I think, (laughs) I think that's a great thing. I like to see new books coming out that not only helps the kids, but the parents who sit and read the book with the kids. Mm. Also parents sit and read to your kids because it's a really good way for them to go, Hey mom, in this book, this character goes through this, but I also went through something similar. It opens communications and also ban devices from the kitchen table so you can have conversations with people. Yeah. These really simple things changes yeah. an entire world for a kid. An yeah. entire yeah. world for the kid. So that that's my soapbox mom routine for the for the week. <laughs> I'm on there. <laughs> yep. Um so yeah, but no, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a, an absolute pleasure. Guys, next week we have another incredible author coming on. In fact, we have been inundated with people wanting to come on the show, which is fantastic. Um, so if you've got other friends out there and you feel like they'll have some fun on this show, please recommend that they give me an email or drop me a line on Facebook and I will definitely get back to them and get them booked in. But for all, for everybody's safety this week, please make sure that you are listening to this podcast in a safe and appropriate way. And I will catch you all next week. <laughs>